everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 379. 379, um, yeah, approaching 380. Nice, round, hot, high number. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, of course, Isotope. Uh, if you've been a regular follower of the show for any period of time, you'll know, of course, that Isotope uh, are sponsoring and they are giving away stuff. In fact, if you stay tuned and you entered last week, you could possibly be the winner of the Isotope RX4 competition. If you stay tuned and you didn't win or you want to enter, details of the competition on how to win your very own copy of RX4. I also want to say thank you very much to our chat room. We've got plenty of people in there this week. Thank you very much. Approaching, ooh, 100, which isn't bad for us. So uh, all of those people who have nothing better to do with their afternoons, um, <laughs> we do salute you, and thank you very much indeed. Uh, as for my guests, I'm sure most of them do have something better for, to do for their afternoons, but they very kindly give up their time to talk nonsense with me. So I thank you very much. Um, let's uh, go straight to, well, let's start with Mark Tinley, because uh, it feels like we haven't seen you for a little while, but that's not entirely true, is it, Mark? Because I have. You're looking very, um, how can I put this? What's it this week? It's sort of more cat weasel than D'Artagnan, I would say. <laughs> I'm trying to go for Shakespeare. I thought Shakespeare? No, I got that as with well. the writing thing, you know, I could yeah, go yeah. for the whole Shakespearean kind of thing. I've got the hair. Yeah, yeah, the, I get that. How are you, Mark? Forsooth and verily and all those English things. Awesome. That's brilliant. That'll do for me. Shakespeare is fine. Anyway, Mark Tinley, of course, uh, likebeing.com, creative thinker and sound artist and uh, creative hair and hat maker, I would say, a hat wearer as well. I think you should add to your titles. I mean, maybe you got just unofficially for us, but I, I, I think that should be said. I changed it all a bit on Twitter, actually. I decided that I ought to be more honest, so I've put myself down as an at-home dad and dog walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think you can put a little bit more than that, to be perfectly honest. Well, all, all those other things are secret, though. Ah, OK. That's your sort of the private persona <laughs> gone public. Anyway, thank you very much, yeah. Mark, for joining us, and uh, I'm looking forward to much fun later on as we get into the topics. Uh, let's go over to the other side of the pond as well, where we've got Rich Hilton, who's sporting a haircut, if I may say so. So am I. Look, we could be brothers. What do you think? Uh, who needs a pair of glasses and... Um, yeah, and, and a studio yeah. like that behind you. We're close. It's the mic that gets in the way. If I did that... I, no, nowhere near. Anyway, Rich Hilton is un... What's the word I'm looking for? Impossible to impersonate. Rich Hilton, of course, keyboard player with Chic on the road uh, regularly. Not today, though. And also uh, works in the studio with Mr. Nile Rogers on his various and presumably increasingly uh, often... Projects. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. I am glad to hear that. Let me turn you up a bit. I'm just getting a little bit less than I need. Okay. That's... I can. Well, I can do that if you need me. It's to. all right. No, I think it's me. It's it's me, okay. not you. You're the professional here. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, you've been on the road uh, this week. The well, last time we saw you, uh, I'm trying to remember. You were in London, weren't you? Was that right? Or yeah, I was back? in London. I was I was in London last week when we spoke, and uh, now I'm home. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad that you are home, and I hope um, your trip was wonderful. But thank it you was. very much for joining us too. Uh, right, and we we'll also go to uh, Mr. Robbie Bronneman there, Robot Studios. Robbie Bronneman, who is currently. Uh, well, just last time we spoke to him, he was being mostly a film sound composer to uh, animated. Uh, feature film i don't know what you've been doing this week robbie presumably something equally uh, exciting i've been i've been getting all the new howard's new album ready to mix it in five one ah so. that's howard jones of course yeah 
Yeah, so that's what I've been doing this week. Right. Converting sessions we started in Logic 9 to Logic X. Right, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, probably yeah. perhaps not interesting, but interesting in the, the fact that when you get to what you've got to do, that'll make it more interesting, as it were. Yeah, and it's, surprising, it's worked surprisingly, surprisingly transparently. It's all good. Ah, well, so, that's yeah. always nice to hear. Yeah. Robbie, yeah. of course, uh, is MD for Howard Jones, does a lot of uh, Howard's studio work, as well as his own uh, Sushi Friday music. Um, Sushi Friday Music, if you go check on Facebook, he's posting stuff from that. I'm guessing some of this might have taken a bit of how to go on hold while you get on with the other work as well, but uh, there's still lots of yeah. information up yeah, there. Yeah, we've got, we've, got, we've got tracks ready to release, actually, so that's on our list of things to do this month. We'll get them out there for people. Wow. So, Multi, yeah. Multi-threaded. As everybody yeah. has to be these days. And um, yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Robbie. And, of course, we've got Mr Gaz Williams over there in uh, Bristol, um, where he is, uh, his base tree looks like it's uh, growing again. Oh, it has just grown in a rather splendid way. Um, uh, oh, yes. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? What have you done? Um, I've just bought a, mo- a most incredible instrument I think I've ever played. It really is quite quite splendid. Do you want do you want to do you want to see it? I think we better. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of setting you up to be able to show it. To be honest, because I've seen yeah, the picture uh, and it does look really rather nice. Okay, so this is a uh, it's a custom. It's a it's a waghorn gecko. Now check this out as it comes across. Ooh, wow, that is really interesting. It's got yeah. a John Entwistle vibe to it. Well, there is a bit of John Entwistle. Um, this body shape is based on the uh, Gibson RD artist, uh, which was, I think, a John Entwistle. Pro- I think John Entwistle was involved in that. But um, but this is particularly interesting, especially to the synth heads, because we've got low pass and resonant filters for both pickups. So the the tones that you can get on this are just really quite splendid. And um, wow. And there's uh, there's a lot of nice there's some nice uh, kind of um, you can split the coils front coils rear coils humbuckers but uh, the filters really are the things that make this um, that make this quite uh, quite that unique. Interesting. Really. What do you know what sort of filters they are? Because that's quite an interesting concept. Uh, they are um, well, I think the company who make it are kind of AG guitars. I think and they they make. <clears throat> And I think uh, the idea of it was uh, to do something. Wild basses, I think, ah, had yes. a, a, a similar a similar approach. Um, but you see, what, what what's really nice is you know when you play synthesizers, you know we kind of understand the power of filters. You know they're extremely important, as we all know. But tone controls on guitars tend to be much more either. If it's a, I mean, this is active circuitry. There's a two batteries in wow. 18, 18 watts and a solar <laughs> yeah. panel <laughs> <laughs> uh but um you know to actually have the ability to sort of uh you know filter and add some resonance you know i, I the way i've been approaching it a little bit is making this one a bit more like a woofer and really kind of dialing down the, f- the filter really low and deep adding a little bit of uh, resonance to it and then making the back one much brighter and then just using the blend control and wow I just it's just jaw dropping beautiful what a but the thing is this is a waghorn uh and that's a bristol it's a bristol are. there's company. the website right there yeah and i think the build quality i've never experienced anything quite so splendid 
as this. Uh, we really... reviewed a couple of Waghorn guitars. Rich and Rob had one each, and one was a more of a shreddy, one was more of a blues thing, and they were both kind of these are th- this guitar is the mo- the finest piece of luther <laughs> ship i've ever encountered so i can fully yeah. believe it uh, and I, I hopefully we're going to i was talking to andy i think we're going to do a little feature nice. in this space uh, the, so. uh, rob gs mm. says in the chat room it should be called the the waghorn foghorn <laughs> <laughs> oh, very yes. good that's a that's a cracker thank you very much rob jess or was that what foghorn waghorn yeah foghorn waghorn i suppose yeah waghorn foghorn whichever fantastic stuff and that means you could wear what's the hat the guy wears it's like a sort of uh, wild west sort of uh, western hat you could play with it as well oh and say, no no a, and stuff like that no isn't he a, isn't he a big chicken oh isn't yes foghorn, leg, foghorn leggles a chicken isn't he yeah well like a like a cockerel yeah yeah <laughs> let's not go any further down that route though but uh, right well so from one bass synthesizer one bass to with synthesizer capabilities to a synthesizer with bass capabilities see what i did there super smooth <laughs> this is uh this is actually cfa sound who are just uh previewing a bunch of presets on uh serum which is from Xfer records which is a kind of str- i've never heard of them it's a strange kind of uh, label for a for a virtual instrument it's a wavetable synthesizer. Um, there's another video also by uh, Plugin Guru where he goes through some of the modulation stuff, and it really is kind of quite, quite mind blowing. Um, and looks, I, I can't tell. I've been trying to look up and see if there's anything going on with um, whether it's reactor based or whether it's coded from scratch. Uh, but it is quite an impressive piece of uh, synthesis. They, they they bill it as the kind of the dream synth, and it's uh, a guy called uh, Steve Duda who is a really interesting bloke because he that i found some videos about him and he's just sort of on youtube he was djing and doing live beats and he just he's just like coding his own stuff and 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 so he's obviously a bit of an interesting bloke robbie i saw you looking at that because people have been asking about serum actually quite a bit and saying are you going to review it you're going to review and I, i honestly it completely flew under my radar do you know anything about it yeah i've been following it a bit it's interesting isn't it because it's a a lot of people have been saying that it's there's an awful lot of um similarity between that and the new wavetable synth that waves have given you know as part of mercury oh right it's just come out in the last week yes the waves one has yeah that's right yeah and there's a lot of similarities in kind of the look with the kind of the 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 dual things at the top and stuff um but i think i think the wave i think i think looking at the serum one i think the serum one's got a little bit more potential i think you can put more of your own stuff into it yeah, I didn't um, realize Red Walks put in the chat room that uh, Mr. Duda is one of Dead Mouse's techs, which is interesting. So I kind yeah. of understand why it's got the additive growl and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I quite like, I quite like quite like the look of that. I, I had kind of thought I don't really not really interested in any more synths for a while, but that one has caught my eye. I must admit. Yeah, for an additive one, it's got that it's got that nice kind of twang and pluck, but also quite you know the all the usual sort of sounds like a didgeridoo basically stuff that people tend to use them for like massive and what have you but a lot of other stuff in between um rich have you come across this got this company before hello no this was my first exposure to it but i was hello yeah i gotcha we gotcha i can hear you i'm t- okay sorry uh, this was my first exposure to them and to this synthesizer, and it was very impressive. As Robbie said, I was not really looking for another soft synthesizer, but this thing looks sufficiently interesting to make me curious. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that if you if you check out, there's a plugin guru who does a lot of uh, plugin reviews and uh, sales plugins as well. He's done a really uh, I, a video where he's he's going into it and he just kind of can't stop going. Wow, check this out! And and there's some really interesting modulation functions and the way it works seems to be very easy to to, mm. to modulate. As you know, obviously, as the GUIs for soft synthesizers develop, you know, there are certain standards for positive and negative modulations and and what have you. And it does look really interesting. Uh, their, LF, the, the, their LFO tool plugin's really good as well. I've used that one for quite a while. Ah, okay. Speaking yeah. of the GUI, though, the GUI on this is beautiful. Yeah. It's mm. crisp. It's it's very readable. Yeah. You can really you can navigate it in such a cool way. I think uh, it, it's just got a very fresh look to it. I, I was really that was the thing. As I mean, it sounds terrific. We kind of almost expect soft synths to sound pretty great these days, but the the usability of this one is a is, I, th- I think really has a has a great uh, uh, you know, and the way that the um, that the wavetable graphics works as well. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very tasty. I was very uh, impressed. Yeah, it's with well that. worth checking out that video because mm. um, Plugin Guru guy. Do you, uh, do I take it you're familiar with Plugin Guru's work, Rich? Yeah. Uh, I've met John Lemkul, Yeah. Ah, okay. But uh, yeah, it, it, he's done some really interesting and, and shows the way that you can move the whole spectrum and sort of morph between wavetables and, mm-hmm. and add your drop. What's really cool is what I can see, you can drop your own waves into all the slots and then morph between them. And so you can create your own wavetables out of whatever you want, really, which is, looks interesting. Uh, Mark, mm-hmm. have you, uh, additive synthesis, I mean, we have discussed it before, and it seems to be in, in the ascendancy a little bit in terms of, you know, where people are pushing the envelopes and moving things around in terms of uh, options. It's something that you... you are... I like all this stuff, yeah. I mean... And the and the just being able to dig around through sound and being able to pull things out of sound and stuff is really interesting. And I like visual things. I like being able to see, uh, being able to see where you are in the wavetable. I think it's really important because it's, sometimes it's so subtle. You sorry, don't... yes, I meant I meant wavetable, not additive. <laughs> yeah, sure, and and um, I don't. I mean, it looks really cool, doesn't it? It does look, uh, and I want to try it out. I haven't downloaded it. I meant to download it before the program, and I just haven't had a chance to. One thing that does come up, and this is quite interesting. This raises a, a, an interesting point, I think, as to what as to our expectations is. People are saying that you know, certainly on some systems, it, it, it's really, really CPU intensive, and that's something that you know. To really expect, we kind of expect that. What's that? Um, there's a lot of rustling going on there. Can I just? Uh... <laughs> Someone in a yeah. bag of crisps. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there was a lot. Uh, the the notion of of how, you know how much CPU is acceptable for the result that we want. This is something that I'm kind of curious about. I mean, I'm guessing uh, with you, Robbie. Obviously, you know you've got quite a major system. You print a lot of your stuff, but a lot of people do like to continue to run it live. I mean, would you? Would CPU? Uh, power influence whether or not you'd want it or would you think actually this is the no. big guns i bring it out when i want you know that sort of thing no definitely it wouldn't it wouldn't influence that because you know it's it's like you know people want something you know which pushes the boundaries and then people moan that it it, it pushes you know, the boundaries not, yeah it, it's not it's not got the same cpu footprint as an es1 in logic or something <laughs> you know it's like you know there if you have to one goes with the other doesn't it and like like you said if you've got a machine that isn't that capable, you have to think of tools like this as something you bring out, do something special in, and perhaps print it, and perhaps save the preset just so you could go back to it if you really needed to, and find some sort of strategy for using these sort of things in less powered systems. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, we can't, we can't put that, 
we can't start putting that kind of ceiling on things. Otherwise, people will just be too restricted about kind of trying to expand where we go. I would agree with that. But then, you know, there must be an awful lot of pressure at the optimization process to kind of try and, you know, just get it down and down and down. And sometimes you just think, you know what, what the heck, this sound quality is more important. I know, Rich, do you find that, you know, because you use uh, power pluggers, you've got a UAD system and what have you. I mean, with instruments, does that bother you? Or do you think, you know what, I'm just going to just gonna bite it and, and use it when I need it? Or, or does it come into, you know, the, the equation? Not really. Just about exactly what Robbie said. I mean, I'll get the sound I need however I need to get it, and I'll usually print it and keep the synth offline with the patch still there in case I need to go back at it. Right. Do you think there's a do you think this kind of maybe brings up the case for kind of moving toward more towards dedicated processor for virtual instruments? So you keep, you know, your DAW which you know may, you may need to be running a load of plugins and you don't really want to have to disable maybe a bunch of stuff in the mix just so you can run this into the system. Would it make more sense to kind of have move into the kind of and machine B is running these kind of beefy virtual instruments that I need or Maybe. I've never wanted to work that way. I used to have a PC hooked up that way for those kinds of purposes, running, I think, Giga Studio at the time. Yeah. But um, I really prefer to work on one machine if possible. And if I understand the capabilities of the Umbrella Stand Mac Pro, it should probably be able to handle quite a bit of uh, load. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm ever hopeful that each new iteration of computing will lead to a more comfortable single place environment yeah I, I would agree i know about you mark i mean not all of us unfortunately are able to kind of have the umbrella stand uh, or you know massively powerful systems so we you know that we have to come up with alternative workflows to be able to use this kind I'm, of stuff I, I was thinking about this yesterday i mean i i received some money the other day and i bought some things but I, and i was thinking do i go out and buy a faster better computer um and I answered that, no. I'm on a laptop. I've, I've got a Mac Mini, which is just stuffed in a cupboard, and I never get around to using it because it's inconvenient. Um, I work on an i3 laptop, and I bounce everything all the time. And I just I don't know why people are obsessed with keeping everything running live. Because And, and I'll, I'll tell you how I learned to do this. And, and I came across it accidentally the other night on eBay, I, I've got a search running for recorder because I was looking for a field recorder for doing stuff. And I found a Fostex X15. And I thought, oh, I used to have one of those in like 1983 or something. That's when I first started like bouncing stuff properly. Uh, and, and it comes, uh, the one on eBay came with this little mixer, four channel mono mixer. And I thought, I remember that I used to record three tracks and then I'd bounce them all together and bounce them off onto another track and I'd make all my mix decisions and that would be a bounce and that would be finished and fixed and done and you couldn't ever go back and change it. And actually, if you run your sessions and you organize your sessions right, you can still go back and, and change things in a way that you couldn't do it on tape. Um, so it, it's if you freeze things or put thing or bounce things and then save the session that you bounced from so you could go back and change your drums or whatever um you just don't need all of this power it's it's mm. unnecessary my in my humble opinion I, I can make i can make things that sound like records on my laptop on my kitchen table and it and it sounds fine and it's 
you make the decisions as you go along and it's one less thing to worry about and it gives you more scope and 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 uh breadth of creativity because you you don't you're not worrying about it anymore it's done it's printed it's fixed in the mix and that's how it's going to be mm. um no, I think that's a, an admirable philosophy. It's interesting you were talking about freezing, though. I mean, one of the things that, that also seems to be coming up in terms of uh, workflow enhancements, I noticed this in Traction, actually. Uh, Traction 5, which has been out, or is coming out, I think it's public beta at the moment, or 5.1. I, 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 forgive me if I get the facts wrong. But one of the things that they've introduced is the notion of freeze a freeze point within a track. So if you've got a bunch of plugins, you can freeze it up to a certain point and then run that bit live or whatever. And that, that seems like a really good idea. I don't know if I've come across that anymore. Robbie, I saw you were nodding. Is that something I you've think, seen elsewhere? No, no. It was just I was thinking what Mark was saying was that it, I, I can see that principle works great and it works great when you're in charge of the music and you know where you're going. Where it, where it falls flat on its arse is when you start doing things like film music and stuff like that where, where, where there's things, things are always in a state of flux until it's all locked and you you just can't commit things. That's when it becomes a problem because you do have to keep everything floating for as long as you can because somebody goes, oh, we're just going to take that point one of a second out of there. And you have to be able to be able to kind of move everything and change the automation and all that kind of thing. So I think you need high-end raw DSP power if you're doing that kind of work where you're involving lots of other people who are making music by committee. That's interesting. That's interesting you say. I saw that you, you yeah. nodding there. So does that yeah, mean that your so. your workflow is different, Robbie, when you're working on pr- music production yeah. and film production? Yeah. So you need that yeah, headroom. For, for stuff that I'm producing for a band or whatever, I'm quite happy to go with my gut feeling and go with stuff and print and do all that because I'm ultimately the one making the decisions. But when you're part of a bigger team of people who come back and make inane comments sometimes that you have to kind of do no. just because that's the nature of the business um i i try try not to do that until the very last minute because you just know as soon as you do it something's going to come up you're going to have to unravel it all again so yeah right okay so in that case in dsp instantiation does become an issue so uh, yeah okay yeah. well gaz you so, sounded like you wanted to come in there well, if anyone's watched our um, Cubase chord track video, that's another uh, that gives a good reason for maybe keeping things in that's MIDI true, and, yeah. not, and, and not printing it because it, because that that function works in a way where you can change things after the fact and and i i particularly like that because i um i think in the past i've been uh, uh, i've been guilty of that thing of like going to certain effort to make something and then sticking with it because the amount of effort it took to do it and uh being able to sort of change the harmonic content as right well, you know and, you. And, con- and to can you continue to experiment across the whole project you know being able to sort of change chords and change things and have all your midi tracks follow i think it's a really compelling argument for the other way for kind of keeping everything live until maybe you know, until you've maybe committed on those uh, yeah. arrangement, I know what arrangement you're decisions. I think also, I mean, perhaps I, I speak for myself, you know, coming from a remixing background, 
that tends to you, you know you what you you tend to find a thread you know when you're working on a at least that's the way I work anyway or have worked is you're looking for that kind of spark which fires you off in a direction but the thing is is when you get to you know the end of that road you might want to take a left turn and do something completely different so you need to have everything available to you to follow it around and I suppose that that prevents you from from committing because then you know to go back it it then becomes more of an IT operation to uh, excavate it rather than continue mm-hmm. with the throwing ideas down and changing direction and stuff as well as an, an another alternative point of view yeah, yeah. <laughs> right thank you very much um, yeah. <laughs> that seems like a good place to stop but you can buy it now it's not a not a terribly cheap it's 189 bucks uh i think i had yes i've got the the web page up here uh it's available in uh, these are the some of the the op- the, they've got a very nice sort of 3D rendering, and the waves. Look do fun. we know? Do we know if it's got a big CPU footprint? I mean, we've just spent five minutes talking about big CPU footprints. So, well, uh, do uh, we know if this thing does? Well, I've been. I, I, I was looking on various forums, and it seems to depend on your setup and what sort of patches you load. Because I mean, you can run a whole bunch of instances of it without any patches loaded. But as you create more and more, or load more and more complex patches, then the DSP you know load does go up quite a lot. And so some people were saying, well, I only managed to get one and a half where somebody else said i've got six you know so it really depends but i mean just in generally speaking yes if if you want that complexity it sounds like you know they've gone for well that's great you can have it but there is a cost and that's fine you know so that's what i as i understand it just looking around at the forums and i don't i can't say from years of production working with it but that's from what i've been seeing on on the um on the forums as it were um, I mean, another another quick way to think of, another quick way to think about it is if I want to run RX denoiser on a track, yeah, sure, I can't really do that in real time. So I'm, so I mean, that hammers the CPU. So well, it depends what what if you're using dialog denoiser, it's okay. But uh, yeah, some of the other stuff is not designed for real time. It's designed for real time preview and then process. But yes, that's yeah. a, that's a case in point. But where else but there's gonna... ways, but there are ways of managing sessions where you can pull tracks in and out of sessions. So if you think about it, and you have them as building blocks, and you do your bounces, you can take, you know, no, you can I, I, complexify I would... and simplify things just by importing the tracks back in or dropping them back. I don't know. I, That's I very, just, that is very true. I have a, I, maybe I like the complicated ways of working. No, but I mean, what, whatever works, essentially, isn't it? I mean, that's the kind of the principle. Anyway, we should probably take this point to uh, to bring our message from our sponsor. And if you still keep listening, you'll find out, A, if you've won last week, and B, if you could win this week. So let's see. So Isotope, of course, uh, RX4, the award-winning um, RX4, available now. Lots and lots of new features in RX4. Really is a, an impressive piece of software. Uh, basically, you've got the uh, standard version and the um, advanced version. Uh, and I've just realised I haven't opened my notes, so therefore I'm going to have to wing it a little bit. But basically, you know, spectral analysis, the way that you can uh, restore audio, remove s- certain artefacts with the spectral repair. You can reduce noise. You can de-reverb. Certainly in the in the advanced version, also you can match EQs and match ambiences, which is really interesting. Dialogue denoiser, as I say, is also very useful and has a low footprint. And I find that that can work for uh, noisy, you know, vocal takes or guitar takes, all that sort of stuff. I mean, basically, if you're doing any kind 
kind of work with audio where it's important to make sure you've got the cleanest signal path and you know, presentable audio. It's really well worth checking out. You can actually get a 10-day free demo of this and, and see just exactly what it does. Because in many ways, it is like magic. I remember when I first saw the demo, everyone was going like, wow, you can do that with audio? That's astonishing. iStope.com forward slash RX. Do check it out. And by the way, um, the winner of uh, last week's competition, where we asked you to tweet out, is, uh, let me just check this quickly. Yes, we've got somebody called Roboti Hevonen who uh, Twitter handle is Roboti Hevonen, at Roboti Hevonen. He had to tweet, or they, I don't know if it's a he at all, I could, that's a supposition, hum removal. And you can win one as well. So, uh, Roboti, if you want to get in touch, uh, you let us know somehow how what our email, what your email address is. I via the contact form on the site, or you can tweet it to me, direct message me if you follow me. And then um, we will get the isotope fairy, who is presumably on her way back from AES, which has just been happening in LA, to deposit the... RX4, full working copy in your uh, inbox, and you'll be able to access it free, gratis, courtesy of Isotope. So once again, we thank them for the sponsorship. And if you want to win a copy of RX4, get this. You need to be on Twitter. Uh, You need to tweet out the hashtag TransformAudio this week. uh, And you send that you you reference at SonicNick and at Isotope. Basically, if you tweet this, which is hashtag TransformAudio, we'll be able to do a search and find out who's entered but please do add comments as well because it's great to see uh, additional comments too and um, you know it's nice to see that there's something somebody out there interacting other than just entering the competition and I know Isotope do actually get all of these tweets as well because they're always telling me I can't believe how many people enter it's great so yeah Send them a message too while you're at it. So all you got to do, transform audio hashtag to Sonic Nick at Isotope Inc. And then you can win. And we'll pick a winner. Well, not next week because next week uh, there'll be no live show because I am on holiday. But that's your winner. So once again, we thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right. Let's see what's next. We've got serum. We've got so many things. What... Um, I'm going to go to Aretha because I know Mark. You you were very uh, incensed, shall we say, by this. And this is—I don't know how much I can actually play of this because obviously this is going to be the YouTube police. You're going to have a field day, and I noticed that they are in fact in the chat room, and I don't want to uh, obviously uh, influence the, their, them at all. So basically, this was. Um, New Aretha Franklin album is out. It's kind of soul covers. It's quite interesting. She's doing kind of lots of classics. Uh, and there's an article here on production advice, which is, did they really just auto-tune Aretha? Um, the, what, the, the track in question is Adele's uh, in the... Oh, God, what's it? Rolling in the Deep. So I'm going to try and play a little bit and see if we get away with it. I, I suspect we'll get busted, but hey, the things I do for you... Ah, better plug in the actual audio as well. But the vocal hasn't come in yet. Here it comes. in my heart, reaching that fever pitch, and it's bringing me out of the dark. But Finally, uh, what's interesting about this, I won't play any more, but if you get a chance to listen to it, do, because what is very apparent, aside from the fact that it's been processed, is there's kind of quite a lot of artifacts from edit and auto-tune and what have you, which is a really interesting approach to take with, you know, such a classic singer. And I, I know, Mark, you know, we'll go with you because you were... You were incensed, frankly, of Tunbridge Wells. Um, I was a little shocked. Right. <laughs> um, it's. I don't mind auto-tune. I think it's great. I like the effect, um, but not on Aretha Franklin. It just doesn't make any sense to put it on her. It, it's, it, it, 
on the page I think I found this on, there were two videos. There was one of the single and there was one of her singing it live on Letterman. Oh, yeah. That's, and the one, one of yeah. her singing it live on Letterman within... 10 seconds of hearing that all the hairs stood up on the back of my neck and I was alive it's like the aliveness of Aretha was in my room you know and and whoever produced this or whoever tuned that vocal or whatever they did um, <laughs> has just killed her it's like yeah. it's like they've squashed her flat and turned her into a robot and it's like that's not what she's about that's not what you get from listening to Aretha Franklin you don't get flat robotic pop music you get soul real soul you get something that connects with your humanity and it may i I don't care what genre of music you're into and i i would defy anyone not to feel something when they listen to that woman sing yes so that's my my bugbear with it it's interesting you should point that out. I, mean, I, I don't have a problem with the use of auto-tune for effect. You know, in many cases, it's driving sort of what's, what the envelope of kind of pop production in many ways, but it does seem a little inappropriate with a, a singer of this yeah. standard. But not only that, it, 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 it just sounded like it wasn't done it's very not, well. It's not, it's not even her standard, though. It's the anomalies that make her special. Are the things that she does wrong, even, that make her special are what they've ironed out. They failed to see that the fact that she sings ever so slightly out of time and she slurs and pushes and, and moves around the music like somebody that's actually in the music and alive with the music, they've just kind of, you know, gridded it, I suppose. Yeah, so I show, suppose so. It does so, seem so. interesting. What, what's, in, what's interesting... Is I did a little bit of research. Uh, 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 I say a little bit. I mean a little bit. Um, oh, do you know who's responsible? Well, for well it, no. What's really interesting is it says in the in, in the stuff that I found at least that Clive Davis, who is you know one of the kind of the big heavyweight hitters of A and R, you know, founder of uh, I can't remember the record label, but you know, big Arista, you know, big big kind of super monster record company guy produced it with Aretha. So presumably there's, you know, some process going. I mean, and some guy had to do whatever, whatever was. He's not asked. Maybe, maybe this is the first time he's used auto tune. I don't know. I don't know. But no, but that, I, I'm not saying he's responsible, but it just seems queer that if that's the case, wh- where did this, how did yeah. this kind of these, how were these decisions made? I suppose. And I, 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 I'm, I'm oh, hesitant. I'm hesitant to say it's a crummy production or anything because I don't think it is. It's just a, I just don't understand where it got. Yeah. To, to hear i know rich you you were um because when when uh mark sent the email that was kind of you know in caps and what have you 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 took the more diplomatic and kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for a, a, a more rec- conciliatory approach to uh to it uh, did what were your initial thought i mean you didn't seem to kind of find that there was an issue so much and i, I don't think there is so much but it's an interesting kind of approach do you not think well i'm just about as horrified as mark is um but (laughs) but uh the truth is it's not nearly as jarring to me it is jarring and it's really obvious and it sounds like they wanted it to be obvious and it sounds like they made a conscious decision that they had to make her sound like modern pop productions and I think that that is much better handled in a subtle manner, with especially with a legacy artist like Aretha, than it is handled the way they did it, which is basically treat her like some young girl who couldn't sing and just auto-tune the hell out of it and uh, 
quantize the hell out of it and make the track all, you know, modern sounding in that way. I think it's much better to do that in a way where people don't really even know that it's Notice, being yeah. done where it's being done. Um, yeah. But it doesn't, uh, what I said was it's not half as upsetting to me as the deliberate forced glitching that we've come to accept in pop culture now of these devices uh, as part of the, as the primary part of the vocal presentation. So this isn't as jarring to me as oh, that I see, is. Yeah, I see, I see what But that saying, doesn't yeah. make this any better. As a, I, don't, I think they made a whole lot of really bad decisions here. And the fact that it was Aretha listed as a producer with whoever it was you just said. Clive Davis, um, yeah. Clive Davis. I, I can promise you neither of them were at the computer operating no, the sure, of course at not. the time. Yeah. Um, well, and sure it sounds to me like this is somebody who makes records like this, and that's what they know. Yeah. yeah. And and beyond that, maybe they don't know so much. Or well, maybe I, they I, do, and they've made this as a decision. Yeah, I maybe so. I, I, but the thing, the thing for me was, you know, those... I've always thought American vocal production is usually kind of pretty much up there in terms of, you know, making sure it's as perfect and as uh, as good as it possibly can be, you know, to the point of maybe over-polishing it in some ways. But it just seemed like they what they did is they took a load of Aretha-isms and sequenced them in the order that they thought she would sing them, that they, she maybe didn't sure. sing them like that. But, that. but But not only that, the comping was just poorly executed yeah. it's not the fact that I, they tuned it it was just don't that disagree. was weird it, yeah they didn't flatter her by doing <laughs> no. what they did no exactly no, it's not it's, a, I mean, it's an interesting all. approach sorry rob uh Robbie. it's not it's yeah. not going to get anybody who's not really heard the soulful aspect of it into aretha franklin and surely the the idea of this record is that for people who are young who are maybe like in in their teens or whatever who hear this thing oh aretha franklin's cool i must check this out then they're just going to be confused. I think maybe I'm so. I'm not so it's sure about that. They, if they yeah. can get this thing on a dance floor, mm. then maybe. it may work the way they envisioned it, and I almost shudder to think that it might <laughs> because I don't particularly like it. Sorry, Robbie. To me, to me, to me, this highlights the whole the whole thing of we're so used to we're so used to everything being so exact. That people, I think people get insecure about vocals now. Vocalists get insecure when I work with them. And yeah. a case in point for me is, I, I really like, I really like the the band Maroon Five because I think they write some really good songs. And I've I've done a couple. We've done a few gigs when they've been playing, and they're a fantastic band. And he's a great vocalist. But every time I buy a Maroon Five album, including the new one, it just sounds like it's been it's been melodyned within an inch of its life and there's just no need for it because he's a great vocalist and there's just like every single bend every single slur is absolutely perfect like a machine like a like a singing machine not like a person and i think and i think a lot of the voc i think vocalists are very insecure just like everyone wants their music to be the loudest right that they want their music and their vocals to be the most perfect because I think, you know that's I, kind of what people expect, and it's mm. it's not a great it's not a great kind of equilibrium, is it, to to work from? No. I mean, I, I think, think I think yeah. Hmm. I think the reason maybe for this is because you can see the vocals on the grid now. You know, like the Melodyne approach or or some other software has got it built in. You can see the vocals, so you can so where you can see that it's not on the grid, then you know there may be the tendency to put it up 
and snap it into pitch is so great because you can see it. We never used to be able to see vocals did we so you know you really would be listening and then you know and maybe you would do a drop in or kind of what an edit to try and fix something that's obviously out but being able to see things maybe make you kind of prejudices you against that note that looks even wrong though, even though it's not it, wrong doesn't sound wrong right yeah i see what you're saying yeah I, i'm, I'm about, sure this is the case the thing about words is words don't have evenly spaced syllables they just don't some and word the rhythms in words are just not on sixteenths and they're not on twelfths and they're or triplets or dotted notes or any of the words have their own kind of and uh, you know yeah. feel or whatever. And if you try and break that up and put it dead on a grid, it just sounds weird. Well, I even tell you that- even when somebody's singing rhythmically tight, it still sounds weird if you put it dead on the beat. Yeah. One thing that I really thought was was also, I mean, I, I hate to go on about this, but when you listen to the original Adele record, it's actually a very live band kind of vibe, which works with the ebb and flow of her voice because she is a great soul singer as well as the of the immortal Derek and Clive line. You know, she's an English soul singer. We have their, they have their soul singers and we have our soul singers, as it were. Um, <laughs> but Aretha Franklin is probably the best singer at working with a live breathing band. I, why the hell did they yeah. machinize a track that was live and then machine her to it rather than just let, you know, because they could presumably with that sort of heavyweight uh, money finance, they could have they could have gone the, the route of, um, say, you know, the Neptunes or something like that. Just something really kind of live and vibrant and then, you know, maybe conformed it a bit. But rather, it just seems really curious. Well, I know me. why they did it. They did it because they think that putting her voice on a dance floor where that sort of gridding of anything is acceptable might bring her increased revenue through exposure mm. to younger you th- audiences. Yeah, but it's not even That's a dance why mix. They did it's it. nowhere even close to a dance yeah. kind of production though i'm not telling you it's any good i'm just saying that's (laughs) what they thought they were doing i'm quite sure of that but 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 the point i would like to address has to do with which is one that robbie raised is the insecurity level of vocalists having gone up across Mm. the last decade or decade and a half as a result of all of this and i have found that absolutely to be the case and i'm talking about some guys who can sing their buttocks off um and still We'll take 25 takes, spend five days comping them and auto-tuning them, do 25 more takes, start patching that up into the first 25 comp that you did and tuning all that. And two months later, they decide to do it all over again. And I'm talking about big-name guys who deliver the vocals like crazy. And it's the first three. I mean, after three, the first three takes, I was like, boom. Come on in, sit down. We can, you know, we can make this. It's all good. It's really and- interesting that. That's really, I, I tell you what I saw the other day. I may have mentioned it on a previous podcast. There is a um, Sunday Night Live. Uh, 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 I don't know what it's called. It's like a variety performance, and it's it's dreadful. You know, really, they stick it on in front of a, a stage show that's going on in musical uh, musical. They put it on at the Palladium, I think it is. And I just happened to catch the tail end of it, and it was Brian Adams. I'm not a massive fan of Brian Adams. You know, he's okay. I mean, he's talented and, and, and has written great some singer. fantastic songs. Yeah, great. But that was my point. He came on stage, live TV audience, three-piece band, and played a song. And it was one of the most emotionally charged and fantastic yeah. performances I've seen on TV for 
I mean, I'm talking years, and I just thought, Christ, that was really that blew me away. And I'm, you know, I'm I, when I said I'm not a fan, I, it, it still that. blew me away because I just thought that was incredible. And you just think, well, what? Why is that so unusual, <laughs> really? And I just thought, well, good for you, Brian. You know, really, really brilliant. I mean, last year, last year when Chic played the it. iTunes Festival, we were one of fifty-something bands that played. And from what I understand from a very reliable source, three of those bands out of fifty plus played their show, not played to their show in some pre-recorded form, but played their show in its wow. entirety. Three wow. out of 50 bands. That's a bit depressing. Do you think that's just because they know that it's going to be repurposed, rebroadcast, rebroad, and that could be the one defining moment of, you know, that, that, that makes the album go or sells the tickets for the tour, and they're not prepared to take the risk? I think there's a lot of reasons for it, um, starting with the fact that most of them couldn't if they had to. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I there's, there's a difference. But there's a, there's a, you know, even people like Peter Gabriel, you know, it's known that he, for his live DVDs, he, he does, goes back in and does redoes vocals and stuff just because he wants That's it to be. That's a commonplace, isn't it? can be. I yeah, mean, there is sure. an element of that. But, but there is an element, like Rich says, of people being so paranoid about everything that stuff gets redone that really doesn't need to be redone as well. You know, and, the thing, and I, I, mean, I, think, I think things like Melodyne are tools to... To look at if, like Rich said, you do a few takes. You look at you look at the things that are really magical and were good, but perhaps weren't. Just had a few slight things about them which can be corrected with Melodyne or whatever. But everyone goes in and goes right. Everything's got to be in tune. Everything's got to be on the grid. Everything's got to be perfect. It's all about just knowing the things you need to fix to make the overall thing great. Not trying to just squash everything People. out of the whole thing. Yeah. People, people need to understand the emotional content. That's the bottom yeah. line. If yeah. people don't understand the emotional content, then they're not going to get the meaning of the song across. And by that, I mean things like blue notes. Blue notes, we know blue notes are people singing flat. And they do it deliberately because it creates a pull in the music that does something really emotional to a human being. And when human beings listen to it, they go, oh, oh, that really moved me. If you stick it all through auto-tune, you kill all that. And all of us human beings are going around like robots going, oh, let's go and shop at Macy's because that's where we're supposed to buy our shoes. No, come on, <laughs> wake up, do something different, you know. There's, oh, there's well, handmade so. shoes in New Orleans with, made from crocodile skin that you could be wearing or, or indeed, whatever. Or indeed, know? there are handmade, sim look at this, Simmons pad, right? Look in the side there, mm -hmm. there is a load of really crappy wood and wires loose and screws and stuff. I bought these recently. I, I, I bought these off a chap in London um, and uh, I got four of them because I, I want to get an SDS-5 one day and this is as close as I've managed to get so far but uh, what a beautiful thing that is this is the uh, the Riot Shield version I'd like to point out not the so real. that's an example of imperfection is that where we're going yes, with I this? suppose so yeah, I, okay. I just wanted okay. to I just wanted to show that I had Hit a Simmons that hard pad. enough with a stick and you'll break your wrist yeah. there was no <laughs> reason I, that was a very tenuous link so I could say look what I've got that's all I'm just, if you, you need know, any Simmons stuff Nick I we we the the guy who runs the Simmons Museum in Germany, who's a massive fan of Howard, and literally he has got a Simmons Museum. He's got everything known to man to do with Simmons. He he can sort you out with any bits and bobs you need if oh. you need anything. SDS five brain. 
Yes. Okay. At some point. I'll, I'll give you a seatbelt. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm not sure I'm ready for. I'm not. I'm not sure I'm ready for the the, the wallet hit. But I, I'll 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 make a start. Rich, you look ready to say something there. While we're still moaning about autotune, um, <laughs> I can also give you an example that I won't give by name of a singer who. At the time of our recording, he was fairly horrified by the possibility that we might be auto-tuning anything, and who to this day does sing into a... Oh, no! We've lost him! <laughs> oh, what the... That was a Wait, classic. Sorry. Rich, we, we, we lost you at sing into... I'm sorry. I said, whereas at one time he was horrified by the possibility that we might be using any kind of very subtly applied auto-tune to his vocals during the recording process, he today sings into an auto-tune on stage. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, I suppose there is a, there is an element. I mean, you know, I've been also that there, there is an, the other side of the coin. You know, we've we've briefly kind of mentioned that about the insecurities of the singer and what have you. Sometimes, you know, in a, in terms of sessions, you have the singer for a fixed period of time. You know, I did something um, with a disco diva. She showed up for the session. She was sick. You know, she was she really just couldn't make it because she was. But she was over from the States. This was the only opportunity we had. We recorded the vocal. There was an element where I had to resequence and fiddle about with stuff to get it to to be her more like her than she was on the day. And I probably did an equally appalling job. But I, I like to think that perhaps not quite so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not talking about just autotune. I'm talking about the edits and all of that sort of stuff. That's what I was confused about. I mean, autotune, okay. We, but yes, there, there is an element. Um, sorry, Gaz, you wanted to go... Well, only that I've talked about it before on the show and I don't need to go back over it, but there, Sorry. there is always the danger of misleading the talent into thinking they're better than they are and they can that can lead to devastating consequences. Yes, we've heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a lot of there's a lot of requests in the chat room to talk about the rhythm wolf. I will just say this, we have talked about it in the past. I'm kind of waiting for me to actually get my hands on one before I say any more because I haven't really had a chance and there's only speculation and there have been a couple more demos and stuff, but I'm working on Akai to get me one as soon as possible. And uh, so if you can lobby your local Akai MP to say send one to me then uh, I will get the opportunity to play with one. <laughs> and so there we go. That's all I can say. So I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Uh, Sonic2844, but um, that's the state of play. I do have a strike effect, though, which is very nice. Anyway, but that's more to come, too. Um, we have other topics. What uh, Does anyone have a choice here? Because we're, we're probably at our last one. We've got the... Uh, the game sound competition. Uh, we've also got. Uh, oh, well, Pro, I guess Pro Tools is probably uh, kind of one of the biggest things as well. I don't know because of the new licensing. Does anybody feel strongly want to talk about that? Um, I'm not a user. I want, I it, I want it all explained to me. Pro right. Tools. Okay, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that. Rich. And no, we, we've also got the Moog Modular 50th Birthday thing, which is the other thing. So you know, it's kind of. I'll leave it to the panel. <laughs> nobody wants nobody all right i'm gonna to have to make an executive decision pro tools. pro tools pro tools okay right i have pro tools and i've got a little introduction video here 
avid everywhere. This is avid everywhere, which sounds a bit like a mess, you know, the sort of thing you might want to clean up, perhaps. But uh, basically, Pro Tools, what they've done uh, is introduced new licensing model. They've also introduced cloud collaboration, which I think, you know, in part is to do with sessions, but in part, you know, because Gobbler uh, were one of the only games in town for certainly sharing and, you know, collaborative and archiving and what have you. That's all going there, there is actually something going on at the moment, which uh, probably means we shouldn't talk too much detail about that because Avid aren't have decided to take that into their own thing. But anyway, essentially, the new Pro Tools licensing, from what I can gather, looks a little bit like what Adobe are doing. It's not quite cloud, but it's an ongoing yearly subscription fee that you pay to access support and updates. Or so, waves. Or waves, yeah, same kind of deal. Uh, and uh, I guess... In, in many ways, you know, obviously the, the problem is with, with any kind of change to any sort of licensing, particularly where Avid are concerned, because of the recent financial shenanigans and difficulties here and there, people are going to look at it very cynically. Uh, I, rather than maybe kind of focus purely on Avid and their board and their whatever, I was thinking, you know, in general terms, how do people feel about the concept of this sort of licensing you know, that way of buying rather than just going, I want this, I'm going to keep it here and I'll upgrade when I want to. But, I mean, you never, you never own, you, you never feel you own software anyway, do you? I mean, you always feel like it's just a transient thing like sand slipping through your fingers. I mean, I look at the amount of money I spend on software every year and you just think, and you're just going to have to, you're just on the, on the hamster wheel of software, aren't you? You're always going to be on that. It's never going to change. So, I mean, it's, it's no different. Like Rich says, it's like any, anyone else's system, like Waves or whoever. Or, well, or do, but, but there aren't, a, not everybody's doing it in the creative space at the moment. I suppose no. this, this, I guess you're right with Waves, but you can, you can freeze where you want to be, can't you, Rich? You can still use the stuff, even if you, have, if you don't then go forward, unless you happen to have upgraded another part of your system which requires you to have the latest version etc etc well this make you have to do any of this from what i read in other words this is a bunch of support options where you can sign up to get a year's worth of support and free updates for some fixed amount of money just like waves gives and they're basically trying to monetize they're trying to keep the money flow yeah going between revs which is i guess a good business model and it's worked well for waves i i don't know the dollars and cents arguments but i have to assume that since these companies are doing it that it probably works out well it works out okay for the customer because for not that big a yearly outlay they get to have continuous access to support rather than having to pay for individual support tickets every time they want to call up their their people and the argument about they should provide the support and not sell you the support is a reasonable argument to make but if we assume that they're selling you the support to begin with then this isn't such a bad deal but as far as just buying software, you don't have to. If they come out with Pro Tools 12 in six months and you haven't bought one of these things, you can still buy Pro Tools 12 as an upgrade for some number of dollars, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that may well be the case. I mean, they're, at the moment, they're offering uh, discounts, aren't they? So they're offering like 60% yeah. off. Previous nice. upgrade. For people who still are in the previous versions who want to bring themselves up to date. This is kind of a nice offering because for t I think it was 200 bucks. You can take your Pro Tools 7 rig, turn it into a Pro Tools 11 rig, and have a year's worth of free support hand-holding. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. uh, that might be, but I don't know that it goes back that far. I think it says 9 and I 10. I know it goes at least to 9. Yeah. And it may oh, go it to says 8, LA but as whatever. Well. Yeah. I think it's a bargain. Oh, okay. I've, been, I've, got, I've got Pro Tools... Eight, I think eight LE, which I had with the Digi Double O Two, 
and and I keep thinking about upgrading it, but I don't actually use it anymore. So I sort of keep it because I've got songs in that format and it makes sense to have access to those songs. Or if I want to work with somebody who is using Pro Tools, then I need to upgrade. So I ought to have it to hand so that it's ready should that eventuality ever come about. But I do, I've, every year... As the as it's gone nine, ten, eleven, I've looked at the price of it and thought, do I want to spend three hundred quid to have on something just sitting on the shelf, just in case, or not? So I haven't. Um, That's but, a fair point. Uh, one hundred and ninety nine dollars to spend to have something. Well, that's not. That you, I but that's access not access until March two thousand and sixteen. That makes more sense. But it does not but available to you. But what would make even more sense is if they just said we're gonna we we're gonna offer like day licenses or whatever. I mean, there's some plugin manufacturers that you can go and rent the plugin for like a certain number of days while you're working on a session, and then you don't need it again. That that model would work for me. Um, yeah, I wondered whether the, this would lead on to sort of other other pricing and licensing options. I mean, Robbie, you, you know, you say that it's it, you never really own it anyway. So, I mean, that that was an interesting. You know, Gaz, what do you think about the the notion of just going? I want that for you know this week or whatever, and then it, so there's some sort of cloud or online side of things, and you just use it for what you need, and then that's it. Well, it certainly come in handy on some sessions I've worked on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's quite a good idea. Um, it is a funny thing, though, about this transitory nature of ownership, though. It's because, uh, you know, part of the thing with the gear acquisition syndrome that I know many of us suffer from is this, this idea of ownership, this idea that it belongs to me. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's I think that's quite interesting. But but from an actual practical working point of view, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, um, I've been in sessions where things it would have been great to have had access to things and they were, weren't available, um, uh, you know, via legitimate means, you know, um, so I think it's good. I think I think it's good. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I, so that, that I mean, so uh, you know, as a sort of really, really non at all uh, poll, would there would there do you think there would be a, a place where you could say actually I need that for this session? I need that, and then you know maybe obviously you could download it, and then you know if you were to go back to a session and load the plugin that you didn't have the license for or the software that you didn't have the license for, it could just say oh I noticed you're mixing it. You got a couple of hours or you got twenty minutes. You know, do you think there's a, a there's a, there's a charging model that could kind of work for software as a service because it's everywhere else. I mean it's what we stream on. You know I fire up a streamer and I pay for it while I use it so you could all watch and what have you, and, and you know it's not uh, inconsistent conceivable as a concept in that robbie i think think, um, i'm sorry i was going to say there's a company synchro arts who make this great bit of software i use a lot called revoice pro which is an amazing thing for vocals and double making double track vocals and all sorts of stuff very clever but they've recently introduced this model where you can rent it a number of times um for specific jobs because it's a lot of it's 500 you know 500 pounds it's not a snap purchase but you can rent it a number of times, and then if you decide to buy it, they take off all the rental costs you've paid for it. That's a smart idea. I mean, I wonder yes. whether... <coughs> I, I, that is a good idea. Rich, in your environment, would that kind of... Would, would that work for you? I mean, I, I guess... What, renting could, software? Yeah. No. No. Okay. But I do <laughs> want to talk about Gobbler. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
I don't want to talk about renting software, no. But I do want to talk about Gobbler. Did you hear about this? How they went after Gobbler? Yeah, they really have. After uh, Gobbler hired four of their guys, it's all in the news. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's an uncomfortable situation. I mean, it sounds like you know Gobbler kind of were a little bit. Uh, well, I don't know whether they were naive or whether you know what whatever. Naive. Well, whatever. But because they hired I'm, four of Avid's employees, and Avid got pissed. Well, not only that, um, if we're on the, the what Av- Avid uh, <laughs> licensed them the SDK so that they could uh, incorporate Gobbler into their uh, Pro Tools into their workflow, which is kind of fine, and then and then withdrew obviously when they did their own when they've done their own cloud thing. So now Gobbler has been but not left- only did they license the SDK, they built Gobbler into their software. Right. So it was a pretty deep. Uh, mutual relationship going on. I guess so, but then whose fault is it that that four of your employees want to go work for somebody else? I don't know exactly. how... Exactly. Yeah. And furthermore, Gobbler supports tons of platforms, not yeah. just Pro Tools. They don't exist on their Pro Tools uh, living. They've, they're supporting everybody's DAW and their brother, something like 20 DAWs. It's a great product, it. actually. I have to say, I've been trying to get That's them on... It's a pretty cool product, and I'm not really here to pro or con Gobbler, but I'm just saying it, it, it's... The, the the notion that Avid could sue them for continuing to operate a business that incorporates a ton of other stuff as well in a service that they once supported them in providing is pretty amazing, if you ask me. Well, I think that kind of comes back to the whole notion of the way that Avid is uh, set up to make money, you know, has to has to make money because of the way that the business has been structured and the, f- and the failings and what have you, you know, we've been over that before when the, there were share price issues and problems with asset stripping and all that kind of stuff and the way that happened. I, I mean, I think if you operate in that department, sometimes, you know, maybe it's cheaper to, to, li- to uh, litigate than innovate, you know? Well, they've already innovated. In other words, they've already tr- they're already trotting out their next version of digi delivery as an attempt to compete with these people with whom they were in bed yeah. only a year ago. It went wrong in some way. That's clear. I, it, boy, it's it's pretty <laughs> pretty vicious to me yeah. if you ask. But I got, think uh, incidentally, Gobble have got two point out, and there's a lot of really interesting features in that as well. If you want to check that yes, out, they do have a brand new Gobbler out? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and they're supporting files other than the DAW files. So if you want to embed uh, text files or videos or anything else you've got in that folder, you can stick that up on Gobbler now too. Apparently, yeah, it looks good. I know because I know, guys, you've talked about it before. I mean, and. One th- and they've incorporated a collaborative environment, which is something I've been on with them about forever uh-huh. because it's not easy for two people to collaborate on a single set of files in the Gobbler cloud right now or in their previous iterations, and now it apparently is. Ah, well, that is a very cool idea. So well worth checking out. Are we gonna, I, uh, definitely Can I worth- talk about renting software? Yeah, go, Mark. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> I don't know anything about Goblin because I haven't really tried it, and uh, pe- pe- people keep telling me that I should have it on my machine, but I haven't got round to it. Um, but I do want to talk about renting software. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, all of us don't have everything we need in our studios, and we're quite willing to go to a recording studio to rent a space to record drums or to rent somewhere with a really nice vocal mic and a really nice vocal booth to record vocals or to just go somewhere for a vibe, maybe go to Abbey Road to get the Abbey Road drum sound or record a piano somewhere if somebody's got a real grand piano. We're all willing to do that, and we're all willing to pay for the privilege of doing that. 
So how diff how does it make you know the software model of I'm just going to rent Pro Tools for the day because that's a professional studio tool which I need to do this thing and then I'll carry on working the way I was working. Um, how how different is that? Surely it's the same kind of thing. And if we're um, if we're willing to do it with real world things, then maybe this you know this whole rental thing becomes a bit more. I know Photoshop. It's definitely working like that now, isn't it? You can rent Photoshop instead of buying it. So it makes sense to me to go that route. Uh, I think one of the things, though, which would put me off it, though, is the amount of time that you have to invest into a piece of software in order to get to use it well. And I think just for for that to be a transitory relationship sort of might make that time investment not worthwhile. You know, but whereas yeah. if you own it, you know, that that, that could be the, the counter to it a little bit that's... Maybe not so much with a DAW, but certainly with individual plugins. You know, they do take quite a long time. And in fact, coming back to the um, serum, you know, one of the things I was thinking about that, what it sounds great. What sort of puts me off a little bit is just I still feel guilty about all the other software that I've got that I haven't fully exploited anyway. So just, you know, you do need to really spend a lot invest a lot of time to get the most out of your software so that rental thing i don't know that 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 would be the counter for me but, would, okay you know yeah you've got a really good point actually because if i go to a recording studio to record drums the recording studio comes with a really good sound engineer who knows the studio inside out and that's part mm. of what i'm paying for right so if i rec if i rent pro tools and it just turns up on my machine and i don't know how to use it uh, it, well, uh, maybe you know. maybe the idea of the, the collaborative aspect where you rent the plug-in and the bloke who can run it for you. <laughs> so you just sort yeah. of say, what I'm after is this. And he goes, fiddle, 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 you know, with a collaborative session. <laughs> maybe using the Pro Tools Avid uh, Session Connect, which actually looks pretty cool, very similar to the idea that, uh, like, uh, Cubase Connect, all of those sort of things. Maybe, you know, that that's that's another option. And you create an, a, 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 a pool of individuals. So maybe uh, maybe all these plugins now need a little uh, communication window, as we've got on Skype here, in the right-hand side, and you can just click on it and find a list of people who are available who know Online. how to use. I'm trying to do this. Yeah. Say, so yeah. I'm yeah, I'm trying to like EQ this voice. Can you help? And they go, yeah. Why not try this? Like See, right, I mean, kind of like soft, a software Jeeves, that like <laughs> or the paperclip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on a on a on a on a different note, on a on a on a sad note though, can we talk about Mark Bell? Because um, yes. I noticed some people have been mentioning it in the chat oh, room, yeah. and I really think you know he's he's such a giant of the electronic music world, and it's such a tragic loss. I think yeah. that really we need to sort of just yes, you know, to, to Mark, bring Bell, out Mark Bell of LFO, which is kind of early, uh, uh, well, kind of techno what, pioneers, what? classic. You know, oh, sorry. Yeah. Warp records, Warp, you know, so yeah. been a big part of that, big, big, hugely influential, and obviously went on to work with Bjork. Uh, and, and one of these amazing innovators, probably largely unknown in many ways because of the, you know, working behind the the name, you know, LFO or whatever. His name isn't necessarily such a well-known name. However, when you actually look at his legacy, you know, he's a really, really important person in, I think, in the last twenty years. So, you know. Very sad, sad news. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And uh, obviously all our thoughts and uh, feelings go out to his immediate family and, you know, everybody who worked with him. And it's always sad when, when uh, somebody of that calibre passes and there's no... At least, I, I suppose, on the positive side, we do have 
an ongoing and you know extensive back catalogue that we can remind ourselves of his work. You know, it, it hasn't gone unnoticed. So I suppose there is a plus side to it. I'm going to have to uh, wrap things up now, though, be- just purely because uh, I've got to go and do a pickup, and um, it's that. I-, I would like to say um, there's no show live show next week i'm trying to sort out uh, an interview um to to play in its place so you'll have to wait for a couple of weeks for the um results of the competition but once again isotope if you want to go and enter the competition it means you've got a couple of weeks to, to do it which uh, there you go isotope transform audio hashtag at sonic Inc, at isotope inc and you could win a copy of rx4 but you do need to be on twitter so i want to say thank you very much to everybody here in the uh in the chat room for starters we've got a bumper we've broken a ton this week and uh, they've been going mental lots of people been uh, been tapping in there so you know do come next week and also don't forget if you like what you've seen subscribe we're on youtube you know we post a lot of videos we've got a lot really really cool stuff coming up soon uh I, in fact uh, dsl said in the chat room i can respond now any news on the pro 2 review uh, i haven't got the opportunity to review but um it's coming up with an owner uh, who is a really uh, well-known session keyboard player who's going to come up and, and take us through it. We're going to explore it together on Friday. So we will have something in the next probably 10 days. I probably won't post it on my holiday because I'll be away from the internet. I'm going to be on a beach, I hope. Anyway, but all that housekeeping and stuff done, thank you very much for watching. It's been another great show. Some really good and valuable opinions from our panel. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye in um, in reverse order just because Rich is in Skype chat skype window four rich hilton hiltonius thank you very much for joining us this week it's been great to have you aboard as ever and i hope you have a nice restful week before you zoom off and bestow disco to the world somewhere thank you i had great time as always and also mark tinley um aka mr william shakespeare or should i say bill tinley perhaps uh we could call you <laughs> you've got very your 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 image is fantastic you've got sort of like sort of uh, soft halo about yourself now so it's a very uh, pleasing effect but thank you for joining us as well mark it's all those amazonian tree frogs that i was licking last week they've that, <laughs> taken me over look. amazon tree frogs by by post is that perhaps no not by post <laughs> <laughs> anyway mark no, thank somebody you for- Somebody burned me with something hot and then rubbed poison in the wound, so that was kind of interesting. So right, I, 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 if I had time, I would love to hear more about that story. But perhaps you I'll can tell save you next week. Yeah, then, tell us if next I'm time. Still alive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and of course, uh, Robbie Bronneman over there in Robot Studios, um, back to uh, working on five one mixes. Going to be interesting. Have you got your, have you got your monitoring system tuned up for that full surround? Oh, yeah, it's, all, it's all, it's all tuned up. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. I love, I love, I love, I love being able to stoke it up into the five one. Excellent. Split my monitors and have have the other, yeah, do it all again. Yeah, so it's good. Are you yeah. going to use a joystick in your panning? Um, I haven't, I haven't in the past. I, I've, I've, i normally done it with. Um, I might use, um, might use it on on the on the iPad. I might bring that into use uh, for that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The five finger panning. Yeah. Excellent. All right, well, thank you very much, Robbie, for joining us as well. And, of course, Gaz Williams over there in Bristol uh, with his uh, lovely Waghorn bass. Uh, We hope to see more of that soon. And there's more from Gaz uh, coming up. In fact, we've got a piece with... the Andy, there's a bit of a beard off actually in that one. Uh, both Andy <laughs> has the very impressive beard. He's the uh, Stein, think I, Steinberg. I think it come up worse. I definitely come up worse. Steinberg product <laughs> guy is coming down. Uh, came down to show us Groove Agent Four and was talking about that with Gaz. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and obviously make sure you check out the uh, the chord track feature that's gone live since the last show. I think uh, that's 
well worth watching i reckon yeah very interesting anyway guys thank you very much and thank you everybody indeed uh that's it for this week i uh, remember no live show next week uh, i will try and get something up in place but i can't promise it otherwise we'll see you in a couple of weeks thanks for watching